Megan, is it possible to get fit while also getting lit on alcohol, <laughs> cocktails, beer, all of the fun things? Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. It's okay. Possible. Today we are talking about how to make it possible and helping you navigate how to balance a healthy diet with alcohol and whatever your weight goals might be. So if you don't know us, my name is Kate. I'm a registered dietitian. And I'm Megan, an also a registered dietitian. And we work at a private practice called Nutrition Awareness here in Orlando, Florida. And we talk about things like this every single day, all day with our own one-on-one clients. And I feel like this podcast episode about alcohol and weight loss has been a long time coming because we get asked about this quite frequently, or at least I do. Yeah, this should be fun. Yeah, this is going to be fun. <laughs> you know, one thing I was thinking about when I was planning this podcast, I'm like, who who's going to listen to this? Like, I, I always like to think about what kind of people are searching for this. Mm-hmm. Who's going to see this on their subscription and say, I need to listen to that. And I would guess that maybe 100% <laughs> are people who drink alcohol, whether it's one cocktail a week whether it's socially on the weekends, whether it's a glass of wine after work, or maybe somebody who drinks excessively and feels a little bit guiltier or they're not really sure if it's helping or hurting them. So I would guess that it's pretty much anyone who drinks is going to be listening to this. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would say that's probably most people Mm -hmm. have alcohol in their lives in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So do you want to start off by sharing our own habits of drinking? Sure. Um, mine will be short and sweet because I spent the last <laughs> year being pregnant and breastfeeding, so I haven't had a whole lot of alcohol in my life. That being said, prior to that, I'm really good at making drinks, and I have no qualms about saying that. I'm a good bartender, uh, so I do enjoy making a nice cocktail from time to time. Definitely past the years of pounding vodka sodas and not that I haven't done that, but I'm I'm past that time frame in my life. I can attest. You once made a really good watermelon margarita, and then at your house you have a really nice bar cart that I always admire. Yes, <laughs> and it's it's funny because that bar cart has so much great stuff on it, and it never gets used. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice to look at, and it's pretty, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. just a reminder of all of your skills. Yeah. Um, how about you? Where are you with alcohol in your life these days? Oh, all over the place. <laughs> if anybody's listened to old podcasts, you've probably heard me say before, like, oh, I'm going 90, day f- 90 days free without alcohol, or I'm not drinking at all, and I'm setting up all these reward systems for myself not to drink alcohol, and I've had a come-to-Jesus moment this year where I'm like, why am I being such a hypocrite with alcohol? Mm -hmm. Because I talk about food and eating it in moderation and balancing and not restricting yourself. But here I am, you know, restricting alcohol for myself. And as soon as I would let myself have a drink, I was pounding (laughs) vodka, sodas and lime or whatever it might be. I'm the one saying like, let's go, let's let's drink. So I realized, oh, I can't restrict myself. I have to Mm -hmm. find other ways and treat alcohol like any other kind of food vice that I've ever had or that somebody would have so I can, you know, not overdrink. Right. Like, you wouldn't tell yourself, hey, you can't have chocolate for 90 days. Right. Like, you would think that was absolutely ludicrous to try to make a goal like that. But for some reason with alcohol, it seemed like that was a good idea. Yeah. In my head, I just saw them as two different camps, which I think arguably that makes a lot of sense because alcohol doesn't really do anything good for me. Chocolate, I never really had an issue with over consuming that, at least not in recent history. 
And I'm like, oh, like I can enjoy chocolate and it feels good and I don't really feel anything about it. I don't think about it later. Alcohol, I found myself being like, oh, like I feel horrible the next day. I'm not productive. I'm making poor choices with food when I'm drinking alcohol. It just wasn't doing anything. So I, I think I demonized it, which people do with sugar and right. with certain foods. Right. So I just kind of justified it because it was alcohol and not food. But I have realized in my own life, the less I restrict it, the less I want it, just mm. because I am really conscious of a lot of the negative effects that at least I experience, and that makes me not want to drink. And I, I, my drinking goes down so much when I just don't even really think about it and just mindfully consume it. Right, yeah. So kind of discounting the repercussions from the alcohol versus, like, if you eat chocolate, you're not going to feel like shit the next day, probably, yeah. for most people. Right, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I think the question that I get asked a lot is like, how can I fit alcohol into my balance that I'm trying to get to, whether I'm trying to gain muscle or lose weight or lose fat or whatever that is, can I still have my wine after Mm -hmm. dinner or can I still have a couple beers on the weekends? Like, how do I make this fit for people? Yeah. The first thing I always make sure to tell people is... Alcohol is not going to do you any favors. None. Ever. Mm -mm. It's never going to be something that helps you to get to your goals. Right. In a health perspective. Exactly. That's just the hard truth is you're low-level poisoning your body. Yeah. You just are. It's it's a poison to your system. It's ethanol. (laughs) So by drinking it, you're not doing yourself any favors. Mm -mm. Can you still do it? Sure, you can, but it's not going to help you to get where you want to go. And I need to preface any conversation that we have about alcohol with that first and foremost. Right. I think you and I both take this approach to eating and nutrition by telling our clients to say, think about what this food or drink that you're consuming is going to do for you. And you can find an angle for almost anything if you dig deep enough, Um, even from, you know, if you're looking at sugar, you know, sometimes just eating a little bit of sugar can solve a craving and help you not overeat. It can give you pleasure in the moment. It can feel really good. It can enhance a social experience. Alcohol, if we're looking at it from the same lens, yeah, you can justify it, but it really does nothing at all positive for your body. And if you overconsume it, it can actually, in my opinion, do more harm than anything. It can actually help you take or lead you to take two steps back instead of forward or neutral. Yeah, so all those marketing campaigns that are out now with like people running down the beach and then grabbing a Michelob Ultra. Or seltzer. Afterwards. It's all kind of BS. Like, yeah. it, it just makes you think, like, oh, this works within my healthy lifestyle. Actually, I just saw a commercial for Bud Light Zero, I think they called it, but it's a non-alcoholic Bud Light. Oh, cool. Which is super interesting, because I, I think a lot of people are into that sober lifestyle mm-hmm. now, and there's always new products that are coming out to support that, which I think it's great. I think if you make that decision that you don't want alcohol to be a part of your life for whatever reason, that there are these things now, like the ritual zero proof Mm -hmm. um, cocktail mixers that kind of give you the same flavor of the botanicals that might be in a, in a, a vodka or a gin or something like that. And you can still make a cool drink and still hang out with your buds and people aren't asking you like, hey, why don't why are you just drinking a bottle of water? Because people will ask. 
People will ask. <laughs> people will ask. Yes, people will ask. I had a Heineken Zero this past year, and it definitely fills the void when you're sitting around with a bunch of people drinking beer, but you don't want two of them. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's okay. like you have the one, and then you do want water. Okay. <laughs> At least in my experience. I'm like, because it, it just tastes like beer, but you don't get that dopamine hit. You know what I mean? So you don't get any of the benefits. It's just sort of like, here I am sipping on beer, but I don't feel anything. Right. One of them, it wasn't the ritual. I tried a different um, alcohol-free kind of mixer situation, and it tasted like nothing. I was so upset because I spent like $25, $30 on this bottle, and it looks super pretty and fun. And I was using it as a replacement for gin, and it tasted like water with mm. a couple drops of orange juice in oh, it wow. and i was like ah not good but they're not all like that but you know what at the end of the day with things like that sometimes i think it can be worth the money if you are in an environment where people pressure you mm-hmm. and at least if they see you doing something or drinking something like that they're probably not going to look close enough or maybe they're just going to see you drinking something that looks like a cocktail And they'll just leave you alone because I think that could be the hardest part for people, especially if you're a people pleaser, if you give into pressure easily. I know where I live, I live in an apartment complex and it's summertime and you go up to the pool and I tell you this, it feels like I'm at a Miami beach club in my own home. I go up there in like my mom jean shorts and I got sunglasses on and a book and a sun hat and I'm ready for like a relaxing Thursday afternoon to read my book. Nope. Somebody, I literally walked up there one evening and I was feeling kind of blue. I just wanted to be alone, you know, and be all melancholy, listening to some like emo music from the early 2000s. I walk up there, my friend, literally the elevator opens. He's like, hey, and hands me a white claw without even asking me. And here I am. I'm already feeling kind of blue and I'm like thanks and I like snatch it and walk away I'm like what am I doing but at the end of the day it's like okay whenever I'm in those situations I can always bring up some kind of can and just put a koozie over it and nobody knows what I'm drinking it doesn't have to be like a a water but it could be like one of those alcohol free alternatives Mm -hmm. or it could be a seltzer Mm -hmm. nobody asks me any questions and it's a great way to moderate yourself if you know that you're the kind of person like me who would have two drinks and just be like screw it we already right, started. Right. And depending on what kind of person you are, there are like many different types of drinkers. There are people who are just like the social drinkers who are going to grab a Bud Light or going to grab a mm-hmm. White Claw. They don't really care about the taste, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like more of that like yeah. culinary side of drinking. Like I don't care to just have a Bud Light or something like right. that. I'd, I'd just rather just say, no, I'm good. Yeah. For the most part. Maybe if I'm on a boat or something like that, whatever. But what I found over this past year is there are people that are good at making mocktails Mm -hmm. and it feels just as good to be out in your dress with your hair done and your makeup on drinking something with a bunch of sage and thyme in it and it looks fancy but it doesn't have alcohol in it yep if you're going somewhere that's a bar that you know they their specialty is miller light no the the mocktail that you get there is going to be super sweet and probably pretty gross but if you can talk to a bartender and say like here's the type of flavors that I usually like, they usually come up with something that tastes pretty good. And yeah. if you don't want it to be too sweet, say, I don't want it to be too sweet. And they're pretty good Yeah, about that. And if we're talking about how you can include alcohol and having a social life, which I think is oftentimes the big concern for a lot of people, is they don't want to give up on their social life and reach their health goals and weight loss goals, Mm -hmm. is that's a great option if you really don't care about the taste of a specific, or the the alcohol content of a specific drink. If you're not drinking to get drunk, 
you'd rather just experience the flavor and kind of partake in the social rituals, Mm -hmm. that would be the best thing. Because it's a lot easier and you have more room in your diet for other things if you're not consuming alcohol. But that doesn't mean that you also can't achieve your goals and include alcohol. You have to think about alcohol as any other food and zoom out and think, what am I eating overall? What is, how does alcohol play a role in my overall diet? What's the context? Because if you're slamming beer after beer after beer all weekend long, it doesn't really matter how healthy you eat during the week. If you're trying to get someplace, that's probably not going to help. But if you're just having a couple drinks here and there, and your overall diet's pretty healthy and balanced, whatever that means for you, then sure, you can still make progress. One thing that I told clients to do is to replace their questions or their concern or um, the thing that they're thinking about alcohol-wise with a chocolate chip cookie. Cool. So if you're like, okay, well, can I have three chocolate chip cookies every day and still lose weight? Mm, I don't know. Can I have 12 chocolate chip cookies on Saturday and still reach my goal and then have another four on Sunday and then maybe one on Monday? Do you really think that's super smart to eat that many chocolate chip cookies? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe have one four days a week, a chocolate chip cookie? I think that sounds a little more reasonable. So like replace however much alcohol you're drinking with that amount of chocolate chip cookies and just think about that realistically. Mm. That's brilliant. I love that idea. I think also you have to consider what you do or what your habits are while you're drinking Mm. because alcohol is crazy and that just makes you not care because (laughs) you can spend all of your time feeling so committed and so invested in whatever you're trying to achieve, whether it's related to health or whether it's related to your career or whether it's related to how you want to feel the next day. But once you get to a certain threshold, depending on what your tolerance is, you just don't care. Lowers inhibitions. Lowers inhibitions, right? You're just like, yeah, I recognize that this pizza isn't healthy, but I don't care. I want to eat the whole thing, whatever it might be. So if you're the kind of person who has two drinks and all of a sudden your inhibitions are lowered, then you have to take that into consideration too and maybe change your environment or somehow navigate how you behave once you reach a certain number of drinks. Yeah, I think the big thing too is even if you commit to like, yeah, it's okay for me to have four drinks on a Friday night, you also have to recognize what that's going to do to you on Saturday Mm -hmm. too. So Megan on a Saturday without having four drinks the night before is going to be a much more productive, active Megan Mm -hmm. who probably wants to eat something healthy versus the Megan who had four drinks on Friday night and ate a burger and fries and wendy's breakfast the next yeah, day yeah exactly <laughs> guess who's laying on the couch yeah yeah me heard that i know that's right i mean that's me too it is just so and it's easy i don't know what my mind plays tricks on me if i had four drinks and the next day i do feel a little bit tired it is so much easier for me to talk myself out of doing all of the things i know i want to do mm-hmm. so i can be lazy i'm like oh like i drank last night like mm-hmm. no this is why mm-hmm. and then there's almost a culture around it too so if other people that you spend time with drink they're probably not jumping up out of bed and asking you to go on a hike or go hit an orange theory class they're like okay no let's go get brunch let's do the hair of the dog it always makes you feel better and then you're like bottomless mimosas and then that turns into a thing and it can be a vicious cycle yeah i think a lot of people have questions around like specific drinks Mm -hmm. too and honestly for the most part, I just help people to, like, use your common sense yeah. because we all know that a frozen margarita <laughs> is going to have, or the frozen pina colada or strawberry daiquiri or any of those things that are super high in sugar 
aren't going to be as good for you as something of just like a simple spirit with a calorie-free mixer. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows that right. kind of thing. Uh, one way to make a margarita a little bit healthier, you ask for agave, tequila, and lime yep. on the rocks. And that's Boom. all you want in your <laughs> that's all you want in your margarita. And those are the best tasting margaritas. Mm-hmm. No, you're not gonna get that at Chili's, but <laughs> if you're going to especially in Orlando, there's a ton of great Mexican places. They know how to make a good margarita. Skip the syrupy mixer and just ask for lime, tequila, and then some whatever they're using as their their sweetener. Brilliant. Yeah. Let's talk about wine. There is such a wine culture mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this on the podcast with this weird acceptance among people where it's like, mom needs a wine, like mommy needs her wine after a day or like, I don't know. It just, it just seems like wine is really glamorized and it is causing people to really drink a lot of it. A lot of rosé. I see rosés. Rosé really pop- Yeah. It's like, it's really trendy and cool. And when you it's kind of like when you were talking about people who run marathons on the beach and then they grab that Michelob Ultra I feel like the marketing industry does a very similar thing with wine they target women of any demographic and it's always very like rich and mommy classy juice. yeah mommy juice ew <laughs> I'm sorry that's weird hey, I've, I've seen it or like time for wine or something yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that really what that does is it just kind of like justifies the overconsumption. Yeah, just yes. like cigarettes did. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that book, was it um, Quit Like a Woman? Yeah, oh my God, that book shook me. The thing that really got me in the book was when she said that we're going to look back on these movies and things where we're drinking and we're around our kids or we're having a drink and then getting in the car. Like we now look at the movies and things where they're smoking So they're smoking on airplanes and they're smoking in doctor's offices and around their children. And we look at that now and we're like, these people were crazy. How did they not know they were killing themselves? And she thinks 100 years from now, we're going to be thinking the same exact thing about alcohol. Well, you know, it's interesting when you look at the studies of the younger generations, the amount of risk behavior or a behavior that's associated with high risk, like unprotected sex and alcohol consumption, it's going really, really down. And the millennials were the peak of those statistics. And now it's going down, which is really interesting because it seems like the younger generations are just less inclined to do risky behaviors like consume alcohol. And maybe it's because they're more aware of all of the negative side effects because it's talked about more and they have access to a lot more types of information. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's true, that if in 100 years, they're just going to be completely shocked that we were consuming alcohol. Because if you think about what alcohol does, if people overconsume it, nothing good happens. They families break up over alcohol. People die. People get into accidents, car crashes. Lots of negative things happen. So I wouldn't, I would not dismiss that. That makes a lot of sense because when I do have college age students, even if they're not twenty one, mm-hmm. I ask them about their drinking habits, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not your mom. Like, tell me what's really going on here, and. Now I hardly have anyone that comes in here that tells me that they're binge drinking every once in a while, which is so surprising to me because in when I was in college, like, (laughs) that's just what you did. There were no other activities. Like, you drank on the weekends, which makes me so sad to think about, like, what are all the things I could have been getting done in college? (laughs) I didn't think that way because sometimes I think I'm like, 
maybe they're not drinking because they're on their phones so much making oh, TikToks. So at least we were out there. Because <laughs> I was doing the same thing. I'll never forget the first time I drank in high school. We were like all in this basement and I had like a little teeny water bottle. I'd filled up a little bit with alcohol. But like we never filmed anything. There was no way anybody knew what I was doing because there right. wasn't anything on film. Right. But anyway, I wasn't ever on my phone except I was text when I was texting. So yeah. Maybe we have, we had lives. (laughs) Not, if there's anybody young listening to this, we're not promoting alcohol. But it's interesting that you've noticed that too, because so have I. Mm -hmm. It really seems like the people that I have that really struggle with alcohol tend to be millennials, people who are in their mid to late 20s and throughout their 30s, and then the Generation X people. Mm -hmm. And I hear, I get mostly women. I get a lot of women clients, female clients, and wine is like the thing. And we get a question asked a lot. I know both of us do. And it's when people say, well, isn't red wine healthy? Mm-hmm. Isn't drinking red wine actually good for me? Mm-hmm. And to that, what do you say? So number one, yes, it has resveratrol in it. But you can get resveratrol from many other sources. So I don't see anybody filling their refrigerator up with grapes just so they can get resveratrol. Do you? No, never. And if you don't know what resveratrol is, it's an antioxidant. Right, exactly. Associated with heart health. Yeah, so it's just one of those things that naturally occurs in fruits and vegetables. Like blueberries is another really good example of something that has resveratrol in it. So for you to say, well, I'm going to stock up my wine cooler because I really need to get that resveratrol in. With some barefoot. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, I think it just kind of makes us feel better about it by thinking like, oh, my my chocolate has antioxidants Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to eat more chocolate. And people kind of like laugh about it and say, ha ha, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no one's ever dead serious when they say that. They're not like, this wine is actually doing wonderful things for my cardiovascular health. Thank you very much. My father had heart disease, so I'm doing my preventative duty. No, everyone just laughs and then they pop a cork and move on. And no shame because I'm definitely guilty of that too. The brain is funny and it's going to look for reasons to do what it wants you to do. Mm-hmm. So you're going to justify things, but it's important to realize that wine is not the answer to improved cardiovascular health, no matter what some of the media headlines say. And we can attribute that to something called the French paradox. Okay. So what is the French paradox? You've probably heard of this before. The reason why this theory came about is because researchers noticed that the French people had less incidences of heart disease than Americans. And so they said, okay, well, what's something that French people do that Americans don't necessarily do? Well, they're drinking wine at Mm. most of their meals. So most of their dinners, wine is included. But then they're also having a higher intake of saturated fats. So like the cheeses and things like that that are super popular in French culture. And they're like, well, this doesn't make sense. If their intake of saturated fat is high and their intake of alcohol is high, well, then why are they having lower incidence of heart disease? And so they attributed this to red wine intake. But what we know is just because something's happening doesn't mean that's the cause Mm -hmm. of it, right? So let's think about what else is going on in their meals. If you're having a meal with wine, you're usually with friends. You're usually with family members. So a lot of times French people are having these long, drawn-out dinners with friends and family where they're eating and they're talking and they're doing other things that are bringing their stress levels down. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, it's a lot less popular to be sitting around with a bunch of friends and family 
every single night and having dinner, you're popping a lean cuisine in the microwave and going back to get on your computer and type while your family is all on their phones in separate rooms. Now, this may be happening in France too now. I don't know, like as of the past decade or so, like maybe that's changed. But hopefully they're still having these casual leisurely dinners that are also stress relieving. So the state that you were in when you take in food or alcohol really matters. Yes. You know, to build off that too, a lot of Americans drink to unwind because mm-hmm. they're so stressed throughout the day. Whereas Europeans are pretty chill all day long. <laughs> you lived in Spain for two years or two months and I was in Spain for two weeks and around Greece. And we've bopped around. We're not experts, but just from observation, people there just move slow. Mm -hmm. There's no rush. They're walking everywhere. I mean, it's our culture is just so different. So if you're an American and all day long you wake up, first thing you do is check email. You get a little stress response. You're in traffic or you're stressed about getting your kids somewhere or there's a lot of chaos going around and your boss is driving you nuts and you're worried about bills and finances, all the things. At the end of the day, you're just feeling so depleted that you want to drink alcohol. Well, if you're already in a stressed out state and then you're adding on something that really doesn't do your body any good just to cope with it, that's the complete opposite context in which the French people, uh, for instance, are are drinking Mm -hmm. alcohol. A good example of this, it kind of hits you right in the face. There's a place here in Orlando called Trevi Pasta. The guy who runs it is straight up from Italy. He makes the pasta right in front of you. It's a great experience. If you've never been, go. So we were there eating our pasta. This group of six, seven people walk in. He comes up to the counter and he's like, we are closed. Mm -hmm. They're like, you're not closed until 8 p.m. It's 7.50 or something like that. And he said, no, I am home (laughs) at 8 p.m. I'm not going to make the pasta for you. And so... In America, you do that, you get a bad review, (laughs) like, you're angry, you're like, absolutely, like, this place is supposed to be open, like, make me my food. In Italy, you'd be like, no, shop's closed, like, I need to have my family time, I need to go home to my family and make my pasta for my family. So, it's just the differences in culture are so huge here, Mm -hmm. we want the convenience Mm -hmm. factor. Like, when I was in Spain, I thought I was going to be able to go to the big box grocery store, get every single thing that I wanted, do my shopping for the week, and go home. That's not how it worked there. It would be, I'm going to walk around to my little corner store market. They don't have 75 different boxes of cereal. They had, like, two. (laughs) So, (laughs) you just choose one or the other. The vegetables, you can't get brussels sprouts when they're not in season you get the brussels sprouts when the brussels sprouts are grown there might be four or five different vegetables to choose from and you walk there you take your bags and you only Mm. take home what you can carry home with you Mm -hmm. so because you're walking so you're more active because they don't have a million different types of box cereals and snacks and things like that you're not taking all that home because you have to carry what you need home for dinner Mm -hmm. that night Mm -hmm. too so the outlook on food is just completely different the day-to-day habits around food are completely different so you can't just say just because someone drinks red wine that they're going to have lower incidences of heart disease so here if you're eating salmon and quinoa and green beans for dinner would you be more heart healthy if you just added red wine to that no no you know this gets me thinking of just kind of you we hear this all the time it's like you have to live a healthy lifestyle and everyone just throws that around But when you really think about a healthy lifestyle, you have to think about yourself from all different angles. And you can exercise and you can diet till the cows come home, 
But if you're living this really high stress lifestyle and you're constantly on edge and you can't just chill out, I've observed it's a lot harder for people, whether they're drinking alcohol or not, to reach a healthy wakel. I mean, I've seen people who track everything to the T, they've gotten their metabolism tested, they're doing everything right on paper, they're working out, but because they're so stressed out and high strung and they don't know how to just chill out, they have trouble letting go of some of the extra weight and they tend to fluctuate back and forth. And I have a lot of trouble getting some people to buy in sometimes that I'm like, hey, you know, it's not really your, your diet or exercise or the alcohol, it's really the fact that you're just living on fight or flight and your body doesn't know how to relax. So it's gonna hold on to all of this extra energy in the form of body fat mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, clearly your body's under stress. Who knows what's gonna happen? I'm gonna hold on to all this extra energy in case you know shit hits the fan. Yeah, and I think, so one of the books we already mentioned was uh, Quit Like a Woman. Holly Whitaker was mm-hmm. the author of that. Another book I would mention here is Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Mm -hmm. He talks a lot about how people will use alcohol Mm -hmm. to unwind at the end of the day and it helps them to fall asleep. And I've had a lot of clients say this to me that if I don't drink, I have a harder time falling Mm -hmm. asleep. Mm -hmm. So makes sense. Alcohol is a depressant and so also lowers your inhibitions. You're not going to be as high strung and thinking about everything you have to do tomorrow because it's relaxing Mm -hmm. your system and you're falling asleep. Now the problem with that is your body isn't able to get into that deep sleep zone where you're getting that restful restorative sleep. So you end up waking up more tired, Mm -hmm. more groggy, more groggy. So yes, you may fall asleep a little bit easier. But my answer to that is we need to think about what are the other things that we need to put in place in there that are going to make you fall asleep easier. But then you're also going to be able to get that restful sleep. Because guess what? You're waking up the next day already tired. Mm -hmm. You're just going to drink again that next Mm -hmm. night. And it's like that cycle just keeps going over and Mm -hmm. over and over again. So if you think you're the type of person that needs alcohol to, to go to sleep, This is a separate podcast episode, but we would need to talk about your nightly sleep habits and how to kind of Mm -hmm. clean that up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, how to fall asleep, how to unwind, how to relax. I think if there's ever one specific thing in your diet or life that you're relying on as a crutch and it keeps showing up multiple times per week, that's always a red flag that you really need to evaluate what that thing is and how it fits into your life. So if every night you're drinking a glass of wine or two or three or having a glass of scotch to fall asleep and it's your crutch, or maybe in this scenario for you, it's having a snack right before bed or you can't fall asleep, or maybe it's using the TV to fall asleep, or if there's just something that keeps showing up in your life, I always take that as a signal that you might wanna do a little bit of a life audit and see what kinds of things or what conversations or what relationships in your life need mending that are causing you to have to rely on something just to engage in basic basic physiological activities like sleep. Yeah, Yeah. right, exactly. Okay, so can you lose weight drinking alcohol? Yes, you can. (laughs) If you are thinking about your diet as a whole and your lifestyle as a whole. So if you are super stressed out and you are drinking a copious amount of alcohol and or you're not thinking about what you're eating in relationship to alcohol, it's going to be a lot, lot, lot harder and less likely. And if you're asking like, what is a copious amount of alcohol, replace the number of drinks with the number of cookies and Mm -hmm. ask yourself if that seems reasonable Mm -hmm. or not. Exactly, exactly. Well, anything else that you wanted to say about alcohol? Um, I think my closing argument with alcohol is it should be something that you treat like a dessert almost. Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't it be like, okay, I'm going to have a 
key lime pie every single night for dinner, but can I have key lime pie on a Friday? Sure. Mm-hmm. I also tell people if they're eating out at a restaurant, pick your treat. So if you're going out for Mexican on a Thursday, you probably can't have the chips and guac plus the chimichanga plus a margarita and the tres leches for mm-hmm. dessert. You kind of have to pick what. So if you know you're going to go there and you're going to drink a margarita, maybe make a healthier choice for your entree mm-hmm. and skip the dessert mm-hmm. in that situation. Have I ever told you my rule of thumb for eating out? Mm-mm. The pick two of five? No. You get to pick two. So you either get a drink, and if you pick two drinks, it counts as two. Okay. You get the appetizer, you get the bread or chip basket, you get the decadent entree or the dessert. Ooh, so you okay. pick two things. Okay. So just like you said, you can't, you can, but if you are really trying to dial in and focus, pick two things from that list and skip the others. So you can have fun, yeah. but you're not screwing up your whole week. Ding, ding, ding. In that situation. Okay. Awesome. Yep. All right. So we have another little segment that we used to do and it was really popular and then we forgot. It's called, (laughs) (laughs) it's called healthy or not. And I already forgot. What are we doing for healthy or not today, Megan? So we were going to talk about the sugar-free mixers that you can add to your alcoholic drink. The skinny girl margarita mix. Right. Let's cut to the chase, and I'm going to say not I would say no. Healthy. I'm going to say no. Um, they're probably all going to have sucralose in them, yep. and we all know how I feel about sucralose. Yep. I've talked about it time and time again. Yep. It sets your body up for failure. Yep. It has zero calories in it. What does zero calories mean? It means your body literally can't digest it mm-hmm. and break it into anything. So just think about that. I am ingesting something my body cannot digest. Mm. That's going to cause issues, right? Bloating. So Right. Exactly. You're setting your body up to think, I'm getting something sweet, I can get calories, I can get energy from this, and then it can't, so you are going to crave more carbohydrate mm-hmm. from something like that. I would much rather you use something like a soda water with lime in your vodka, gin, tequila, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Skip the diet Coke, diet Pepsi, sucralose-laden, all of those things. Yep. And if you can't do the soda water and lime because it's not sweet enough, then actually do something that's a real sweetener with actual calories in it. Just Mm -hmm. use less. So use something like honey or agave or real cane sugar. Right, exactly. And simple syrup is a super popular thing to put into cocktails. Simple syrup is very easy to make. It's just sugar and water. You put it on the stove. You're done in five minutes. You can put a whole Mm -hmm. mason jar of it in your fridge. And if you're the type of person that likes to make cocktails at home, it's a very Mm -hmm. easy way to do it. You can also infuse it with things like mint, thyme, basil, that kind of stuff, and get real fancy. Oh, I love that idea if you're making a lot of cocktails at home because you can just use less versus if you are buying a pre-bottled mix of anything, whether it's the full sugar type or if it's a diet type, you can manipulate how much sweetener that you're using, and you really don't need that much to get a lot of flavor. You can have as much as you normally use or what a recipe calls for and still feel fine. And I know this is easy for us to say because we don't really have a lot of artificial sweeteners in our life, Mm -hmm. but I have been there where Mm -hmm. I've put artificial sweeteners in everything. I was like a Splenda addict (laughs) because I thought, oh my God, it has no calories, so this is great. And I can still make things taste sweet understand if that's where you are right now that your taste buds can and will change Mm -hmm. once you cut that stuff out and it's not something that happens over 20 months it's something that happens over a week or two of not having that your taste buds will change you'll get used to having those super sweet flavors out of your system and things that are naturally sweet 
taste sweeter yeah. to you. Whereas right now, you probably can't even taste the sweetness in a strawberry because you're used to that mm-hmm. artificial flavor that's a million times sweeter than anything so occurs much. in nature. I think that's a big point to like to point out is how sweet those artificial sweeteners are. That's why if you look at a label and you're reading the ingredients, the ingredients goes in order of how much the ingredient is in that product. So if sugar is number one on that ingredient list, it is the most potent ingredient in that specific food. So you'll see sugar usually at the beginning or in the middle of a typical sweetened food versus if it has sucralose or aspartame, that's at at the very end. Mm -hmm. And that's because they do not have to use nearly as much of those artificial sweeteners to get that same intense sweet flavor. So it literally just tricks your brain into thinking it's getting something really sweet, then you don't actually get energy and you actually crave more. Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of people who just live on this constant uh, diet of just one sweetened beverage or artificially sweetened beverage after the next, after the diet cake, after the diet cookie. And they have all of these cravings that they just can't seem to deal with because they just keep feeding the demon, for instance. Yeah, so just have the regular sugar and you'll be shocked about how much less cravings you have. And I don't remember if I either wrote about this in the book or we talked about it on the podcast before, but there was a study that was done and it was they tracked people who drank diet sodas and people oh, yeah. who drank regular sodas. And the people who drank diet soda actually consumed on average 100 more calories per day than the people who were drinking the regular soda, mm-hmm. which you think about that, you're like, what? How is that possible? Because their diet soda has zero calories mm-hmm. in it. And the reason why is because their bodies crave more calories carbohydrate and so they end up eating more foods that have carbohydrate in them than the person who just had the regular soda yep and if you're trying to drink diet soda because you're trying to cut calories well you're probably not doing that yep which is the hard truth so all in all we went on a bit of a tangent there but the skinny or the sugar-free mixers for cocktails And even if you're using a diet soda or some kind of diet beverage to mix your cocktail with or mix your spirit with, nope, it's not healthy. I can't can't find one healthy angle. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you want to wrap this up? Yep. Guys, thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode helpful, we always encourage you and ask you guys to share it with somebody. If you have somebody in your life who is constantly talking about alcohol and weight loss and they're not really sure what to do, send more of this podcast if you found it helpful. It could really help them find some clarity and reframe how they see drinking within their overall diet. And if you want to share it with the world, we love that too. Tag us on Instagram if you post this podcast to your story at nutrition.awareness. Thanks. Bye, guys.